community, the parents and a lot of the kids and just meeting people that were in the neighborhood and might have kids down the road at North High School. They were happy to help and happy to help the school. So it was a great event just to, to bless our neighbors and meet people and work up a sweat. So that was good. Well, this morning we're going to jump into a new series called What Makes the Good News So Good? So we're going to spend five weeks going over this. And when we talk about the good news of the Bible, we're really talking about that central message, the truth that Jesus came to earth as God in the flesh, He lived a sinless life, and He died for the sins of the world. And three days later, He rose again, defeating death and sin. And He offers eternal life and a new hope to anyone that believes in Him. And I think that's the most exciting news I could share this morning. That's the most exciting couple sentences I could share. But I know that some of you might have just rolled your eyes at me, thinking, not this again, Pastor. To you, it might just be another story you've heard every Easter your whole life. To you, it might be like a song that's overplayed on the radio. You once listened to it. You once liked it. You know other people like it, but now you've just heard it so many times, you just kind of want to tune it out and change the channel to something new. It might be where you're at. But for the next five weeks, we're just going to cover some facets that make this message really good news to us, right where we're at in our life. And today we're going to start by talking about God's forgiveness. And specifically, we're going to cover three reasons why God's forgiveness raises this message from just some sort of story or dogma or dull text or something that's thousands of years old into exciting news that can give us a fresh start. So let's pray just to get started here. God, we thank you for this morning. We're just thankful to be together here. And I pray no matter where we're at, you'd just give us a fresh look at your message this morning, at your words. God, you'd just help each of us see your forgiveness. God, see the hope you want to give us, see the work you want to do in our life. We just pray you'd really shine through in your message this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I prayed this week about how to communicate God's forgiveness, one story from the Bible really came to mind that captured this for me. You know, I don't want to make some kind of wild claims or put a spin or have some kind of vast intelligent teaching this morning. My prayer is just that God's message of forgiveness shines through this time. You won't be left remembering any profound sentence from me or funny joke, but really that God's forgiveness would just meet you square in the eyes of where you're at today. And so the story we're going to talk about today is a story that Jesus told. It's also called a parable, just to mean a story he told to illustrate something. It's found in Luke 15, and we're just going to pull a few verses out of there along the way to go word for word, and I'm just going to paraphrase to put this story in context, just to illustrate God's forgiveness. So the story starts with a father and his two sons. The father has wealth, he has servants, he has land, he has animals. And like most fathers, he plans to split everything and give it to his boys when he passes. One day, though, one of his sons reasons with him and says, Father, since one day you're going to give me this inheritance, you're going to give me this vast money, why don't you just give me my cut today and I can be on with my life? It's going to be mine. You'll be fine with what you have. Just give me my cut now. I want it. 
And they talk it over, and the father finally obliges and and gives him a cut of his money and enough that he can still live and, and be comfortable. So he gives him just a vast sum of his money. And the son takes it, and he proceeds to leave the city that he grew up, to leave his father, and he goes out into another city to make a new life for himself. He takes this money and just wants a, a fresh start with it. Only the money from his father had spoiled the son. And Luca describes his lifestyle as loose living. Other translations would call it wild or reckless living. It doesn't go into a ton of details, but I'm going to just take the liberty to interpret what that might mean or what that might have looked like. Since it was a story and an illustration, I'll feel okay about that. But um, I would interpret loose living that he gave himself over to the world. He bought fancy clothes and possessions that he couldn't have afforded before. He got drunk on fine alcohol night after night. He squandered his money on gambling. Some nights he was too drunk to remember if he was winning or losing or or what might have happened. He had a loose standard with women. He had sex with women that he was not married to and sometimes he might not even seen them again after that night. He was obviously living a life that didn't bring honor to his father, but shame. He was living a wild life. And after a time of this living, he wasn't working. He was just living it up in this life. He had squandered all the money that his father had given him. He was flat broke. He didn't have money to keep partying, let alone to pay for his rent or his food. So he was thrown out of his place on the street. And he had nothing. Not knowing what to do, he left this city he was living in and just started walking out into the countryside. After a while of walking, he walked past a farmer's estate and saw his farm and crops and animals. And he saw that he had pigs out there. And just wanting to make ends meet, he asked the farmer if he could help by feeding the pigs. And so the farmer gave him a job. So he went out there and feeding pigs is not a it's not a clean job. He's covered in mud and he's throwing pig slop at them. It's all dried corn cobs and anything else left over from the crops that might have spoiled or, or not be fit for human consumption anymore. And so he's throwing this out to the pigs and they're eating it in the mud and it's all covered in mud. And he was so hungry because he didn't have money, he was looking down at that pig slop and looking at a dried corn cob that the farmer couldn't sell anymore, so he's feeding to the pigs and just wishing that he could eat it. And it's at that point he hit rock bottom. He hit the end of his rope and just thought, I can't go on like this. I can't go on living this life. Something needs to change. We'll stop right there in the story for a second. Have you ever been in a place like that before, that you've hit the end of your rope? You've hit rock bottom? I know I have. I was thinking on a specific night in my life before I was following Christ. I remember a time I went to a party and I set out to be the champion and how much I could drink that night. And I was drinking and drinking and to be honest, I don't know how many drinks I had. I don't know if I could tell you that night how many drinks I had. It was a lot. And along the way, someone saw me that I was kind of heading south and was losing kind of being able to focus on other people and kind of falling over and so they helped me find my way to the bathroom 
And I remember I had to sit on the ground and try to hold on to the toilet because I'd fall over just trying to sit up and threw up for a long time. And sometime later, someone helped me get into a bedroom and just kind of sleep it off for the night, and I fell right asleep as the, the party went on out there. And the next morning, I remember waking up, and the worst taste in my mouth, my head was pounding. The light was just so bright, I didn't want to deal with it. It was probably late in the morning. And it was a Sunday, so the, there was a Bronco game on by that point. So I remember waking up and watching the Bronco game, and the only thing I knew how to do to feel better was to start drinking again in the morning. And so I started drinking during the, the Bronco game and had a few beers just to try to get my brain feeling better. And it was a real low point for me. I felt like it was a point where I felt like that man and what he went through. Um, maybe you can relate too. Maybe you've had a night like that or a day. Maybe you had a night like that last night and that's why you're at church this morning. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where you're at. I know I felt like that. I might have needed church that morning, especially since it was Sunday. And I know in that time I felt like, how could God use me again? How could I be useful in His kingdom? Why would He ever want me? How could He use a guy like this again? And then those thoughts were just racing through my head that day. Let's jump back into the story in Luke 15 there. So when we left, the man had reached his low point. He was wanting to eat, eat the corn from the pigs, just eat something. And he reaches the point that he realizes that even his father's servants, because he had land and animals, even those servants had a better life than he did. And it was a life at that point he even wanted. And so he put aside the last ounce of pride he had in what he was doing and humbled himself and started a long walk back towards his father's city, towards his father's property, to see if his father might have compassion on him and help him. And he prepares the story in his head of how he's going to ask for his father's forgiveness, how he's going to fall at his feet and ask him just to have compassion and hire him on as a servant just to tend to the animals like he's doing in this faraway land. And he slowly starts that humiliating walk along the road. And we'll read one verse here from Luke 15, word for word, just recounting that walk home and how it went for him. Verse 20 says, So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. He didn't scorn him. He didn't disown him. He didn't turn him away. He didn't make him grovel and fall at his feet and eat the dust. He ran out and met him on the road and hugged and kissed his son. You know, this time after pig farming, the son was probably dirty and tired and broken and hungry, as he'd recounted. And the father just embraced him there in the middle of the road on the way home. And Jesus tells us this story as a picture of how God wants to be reunited with us. The first point up there is that God's forgiveness is truly good news because God meets us right where we're at with His forgiveness. No matter where we have been, even as dirty and as stained as we are from our sin and from the world, the mountain of evidence from our sin can just be piled up against us 
like a heaping pile of trash. And God meets us there. And if we're willing to humble ourselves like that son in the story and just start that walk back towards God, God shares this story because He'll run towards us and meet us there with His forgiveness. And the story doesn't end there. That's, that's a good enough ending for me that He hugs them in the middle of the road, but the, the story goes on. It gets more amazing to me. I'll read a few more verses starting at verse 22. It says, But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and he has been found. And they began to celebrate. So the father honored his son. He threw a huge party and gave him a fresh start in life. He blessed his son so much that the end of the story deals with, I said he had two sons. His brother was at home and being faithful and working the land. And the other son was just jealous about the way the father was blessing the son that had run away so much. And that's the second piece of good news this morning. is that not only does God meet us with forgiveness, but there's blessing once we are forgiven. God blesses us with a clean slate. The son was welcomed back into the family with celebration and a new life. He didn't have to work off his sin for years. He didn't have to live with the servants. He didn't have to suffer the shame of his sins. He was welcomed back into the family. And God offers us the same thing with His forgiveness. And we'll walk through just a few of the blessings that having a clean slate with God bring into our life. And one of the things that sin leaves us with is a guilty conscience. We all know what that's like. We know we've done wrong. We know we've fallen short of what God expects of us. And we are seared by our sin. And much of what we try to do is just to clean it up. Just to make things better. Just to cover over it. And so we do good things. We might go to church or give things up for God. In the Old Testament, the Jews would sacrifice animals for their sins. And it would, they'd sacrifice an animal and it would cover a sin and they'd sin again and they'd sacrifice more animals and it was just kind of on and on and on. And it was never finished. But God offers us a clean conscience with His forgiveness. In Hebrews 10.14, it says that Jesus will cleanse your conscience from your dead works to serve the living God. So Jesus has the power to clean your conscience from all of your dead works, from all of your sins. And the verse ends by saying, we're free to serve God once we have that clean conscience. Rich is going to talk next week about how forgiveness gives us that clean start to love God and a new life that we wouldn't have had before. But this morning we're just going to, to focus in on just that blessing of the forgiveness. And when we have that, um, there's two more verses I just wanted to share. And excuse me, one is just the blessing that comes from that clean start with God. In Isaiah 1:18, it says, "Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they are red, though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool." So the stains from our sins 
are completely washed out. It's as white as snow. The guilt is totally removed that we feel for our sin. One more verse of what God says on this new start. Isaiah 43.25 God says, I, even I am the one who wipes away your transgressions for my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. This is a prophecy towards how Christ will wash away our sins. But what catches my attention is that God says He will not remember our sins. He won't just bring them up less. He won't hold them over our head for the rest of our life. Or even worse, He won't hold them over our head for the rest of eternity. He won't keep writing them down and shaking His head at us. He says He will remember them no more. He makes a choice to forget our sins. And they're paid for with Christ. They're out of the discussion. They're off the records. And we have a clean slate and a fresh start. My wife and I were talking about a way to illustrate this. And one thing she thought of was a chalkboard at school. You can write on it. I don't know if they have chalkboards anymore. They did when I was at school, but it's probably PowerPoint now. But they had the chalkboards, and you'd write on it and erase it and write on it and erase it. And by the end of the day, even though you erased it, it was still kind of dirty, and it had all that white smears all over it. And then overnight, the janitors would come in, and I don't know what they put on that, but they'd somehow get it nice and black all over again. And you had a fresh start on the new day when you came back into class in the morning. She said she was always excited just to see the clean chalkboard. And that's kind of what our, our life is like, is that it's just totally washed away. There's not even that smear on there anymore. When we tried to erase it, it's just a clean chalkboard ready for God to write that new life on. The last thing we're going to talk about today is what we have to do to receive God's forgiveness. And this is actually one more area of God's forgiveness that offers good news. The last point is that forgiveness is a free gift. We don't have to work harder for it. We don't have to be perfect. But God offers this gift right where we are. 1 Peter 3.18 says that Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit. So we talked about in the very beginning that Jesus came to earth and died on a cross to pay for the sin of the world. And He lived a perfect life, yet died a criminal's death to pay for your sin. And that's good news enough. But this is where we'll talk about how it's offered as a free gift. The next point is that it's offered as a free gift through belief in Christ. Acts 10.43 speaks of Jesus saying, Of Him all the prophets bear witness that through His name everyone believes, everyone that believes in Him receives forgiveness of sins. So Jesus died to pay for the sin of the world, but we receive that gift of forgiveness of our sins when we believe in Him. When we believe that Jesus dying on the cross is not just a good religious story or something you hear at church, but that it is our only hope for the forgiveness of our sins. But our tendency is to keep on working for forgiveness. But that's the next part of the good news, is that forgiveness is not based on our works. It's not based on the good things that we do. Titus 3.5 says He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy. We did nothing to impress God that made Him want to offer 
forgiveness to us. We can do nothing that makes us worthy of that forgiveness. Actually, quite the opposite is true. Like the son who squandered his father's wealth on sin, we have done plenty to not deserve God's forgiveness in the ways that we've turned from Him. We've squandered the life that God's given us in so many ways. We've lied, stolen, gossiped, gotten angry, forgotten God, even spoke God's name in vain, and plenty of other things that deserve God's punishment. And Titus says that he offers forgiveness to us right where we are because he wants to be merciful to us. That means he just overlooks what we deserve from our sins and offers us that clean slate. And that leaves just one glaring question left, is that does everybody receive that gift of forgiveness based on what Christ has done? And unfortunately the answer is no. If only it was that easy. But only those that accept that gift. I think back to the story we read in Luke of the son that had wandered away. There's a point where he reached the end of his rope. And I know the father was at home anxiously waiting for him to come home, come back to be reunited and be with him. But it didn't just happen automatically. Things didn't get moving until the son made that decision to put aside the last of his pride, humble himself, and start that long walk back towards his father. And once he made that decision and he started the walk, as soon as the father saw him, he came running and met him there in the middle of the road. But until that decision for him to start walking home happened, there was no reconciliation with his father and no forgiveness. And that is the same between us and God. There's a gift waiting for each of us. There's a promise of forgiveness waiting for each of us from God. That hope of a clean slate. But unless we turn towards God, humble ourselves, we don't have God's forgiveness in our life. And that's the last point out there, is that we have to accept the gift of forgiveness to have God's forgiveness in our lives. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So to accept the gift, you have to just tell God and believe that Jesus was killed and raised from the dead from your sins and that you accept that gift of forgiveness and it's yours. And if you don't do that one simple act, it just that gift sits there on the table unclaimed. And you can go through your whole life and never accept that gift and it's not part of your life. I remember when I first heard this message of forgiveness, I knew the bad things I'd done. When I read the Ten Commandments, I could see plenty of sins that I had done to offend God. And I would cry at night when I was all alone because I knew I deserved to go to hell. I knew enough of the Bible, I knew the Ten Commandments, and I knew that I'd fallen very, very short of that. I knew I'd done plenty of things to grieve God. And that went on for years. And I remember one day I went to a teen conference, and I heard this good news, and God met me there with His forgiveness and that story. And I started that that road back, and he met me and ran out to the road to embrace me with his forgiveness. I heard for the first time that Jesus died for my sins, and all I had to do to have forgiveness was just to ask for it. And during that conference, I simply prayed to God and told him that because of my sin, I deserved to go to hell. And I believe that he paid for my sin personally, and I asked to receive that that gift of forgiveness that he offered. And that was the first time I remember just having a clean slate. 
and not feeling guilty, and not feeling like I had to do more, and not feeling in fear before God. It was just a new life with Him and a relationship with a clean slate. And if that's something that you haven't done, God offers you His forgiveness this morning. Today before you go to bed, just take a minute to pray and settle this with God and accept that gift if you haven't. God is like that father at home waiting for his son to come home. And God would love to embrace you and run to you with his forgiveness if you would start that walk towards him with simply praying. Like I mentioned earlier, Rich will be talking next week on the new life that we have in Christ. So the first big piece of the good news is that we've been forgiven. But with the forgiveness and that clean slate, God has a whole new life for us, a whole new exciting life and a journey ahead of us. So come back and join us as as Rich just kind of builds off where we got today. Let's pray. God, we do thank you for today. We just thank you for your your message of forgiveness. God, I thank you for that parable you tell in Luke that, God, you're waiting for each of us to run or just to walk towards you so you can come and meet us and embrace us and have relationship with us. God, I pray that you transform each one of us with the message of your forgiveness. God, whether we've never had a relationship with you or it's been for a long time, God, help us continue to walk in that day by day. God, you say your mercies are new every morning. God, we thank you that we have a clean slate today if we're a Christian. We have a clean slate the first time we accept it and for the rest of our lives. And we pray you just bless today and help us walk in that. Amen. Alrighty, well, we'll catch you next week. Good morning.